evening, everyone, and welcome to our Bible Ponder for this week. We're getting very, very near the end of Luke's Gospel now, and so we'll cover what we can, but we'll see where we get to, um, as obviously we're in quite a significant portion of um, the story and an important part of what it means to um, be a Christian, and, and when we engage with Scripture, it obviously informs so much of what we do. So um, we'll continue on and see how far we get um, through the next couple of weeks um, and if we get um, to the end pretty soon. Um, we last left Jesus having been arrested, taken to Pilate first, and then Pilate doesn't really want to have to mess with it, finds out Jesus is a Galilean where Herod has more jurisdiction. He does so. He then ships um, Jesus off to see Herod, the Jewish king. And Herod also doesn't find any reason um, to mess with it, and, and it's also kind of too hot to handle. Um, and so he sends him back to Pilate. And this um, sort of is sort of a, a kind of a favor to him. And um, for one reason or another, this um, makes them get along. And it says they became friends, which basically in political terms means um, that they kind of saw eye to eye, at least for a little bit, even though previously they had um, had somewhat of an antagonistic relationship with each other. Um, the um, sort of kerfuffle over Jesus kind of brings them together. So that's where we left Jesus. So now he is back with Pilate. Pilate then called together the chief priests, the leaders, and the people, and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was perverting the people. And here I have examined him in your presence and have not found this man guilty of any of the charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. Indeed, he has done nothing to deserve death. I will therefore have him flogged and release him. So basically what he says is either in a Roman context or in a Jewish context, I don't think he deserves death. And so he's going to release him. Then they would, who is, remember, the chief priests, the leaders, and all the people, shouted out together, Away with this fellow, release Barabbas for us. This was a man who had been put in prison for an insurrection that had taken place in the city and for murder. So again, we talked a bit about that, that word for bandit and the idea of an insurrectionary and, and a, a revolutionary sort of figure. So Barabbas is exactly that. He um, was put in prison for an insurrection and for murder. He is a violent and um, revolutionary type criminal. And they ask for him to be released. Now, what Luke does not give us, but what is given to us um, in other Gospels is um, the idea that this was kind of a custom of Pilate's to do at Passover was to release a prisoner um, as a way to sort of garner the, the favor of the Jews. He is obviously not celebrating Passover as a Roman, um, but as a way to sort of join in and, and gain their goodwill, he might have been um, releasing a prisoner once a year. Um, Luke doesn't give us that detail, but we do get it elsewhere, and so that's possibly where this is coming from. And so they're asking, don't release him, release Barabbas to us. Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, addressed them again, but they kept shouting, crucify, crucify him. A third time he said to them, why, what evil has he done? I have found in him no ground for the sentence of death. I will therefore have him flogged and then release him. So Pilate is kind of doubling down on this. And again, it's interesting that, well, 
They're shouting crucify him because Pilate is the one who ultimately makes the call. Crucifixion is a Roman method of execution, not a Jewish one. In, in Jewish culture, they would have probably stoned him um, or at least formed a sort of mob. That was kind of the way that the Jews carried out sort of lynchings and, and killings more so than, than um, any other way. But crucifixion especially is um, a, a uniquely Roman method of execution. And so they are asking Pilate, the Roman, um, to crucify Jesus. But he again says he's going to release him. But they kept urgently demanding with loud shouts that he should be crucified, and their voices prevailed. So Pilate gave his verdict that their demand should be granted. So remember in the push and pull here politically for Pilate, um, the Jews are bringing Jesus to him. Their main gripe against Jesus is blasphemy. In their own courts, in their own minds, Jesus is blaspheming by claiming to be um, God or equal to God or at least the son of God. He's also claimed to destroy the temple and he is um, perhaps rallying people around him, which could cause trouble for the ruling Jews with Rome. Um, but that's their main gripe. And so they go to Pilate and the charge they kind of tweak is that he's um, inciting the crowd. Pilate doesn't care whether Jesus is blaspheming the Jewish God. He doesn't care. So that charge is, is sort of left off the table for the Jews. But they do kind of say that he's inciting a riot. He's talking about destroying the temple. He's a political agitator and you should get rid of him. And when this happens, Pilate doesn't want to have anything to do with them because he's thinking, well, if I execute this guy, I'm, am I going to have a riot on my hands? Is it going to be worse? Is it actually better for me to release him and have him be doing any of his meddling that he's doing in Jerusalem during the Passover and just let it kind of dissipate naturally? Or if I kill him to try and squash it, am I actually going to have a big problem on my hands? And that's what he's thinking at first until now the crowd is there persuading him and they're so fervent and they're so insistent that now he starts to see actually if i don't crucify him now i'm going to have the problem on my hands if i don't do anything about him then they're going to rise up if i release him also what are they probably going to do they're probably going to take jesus and lynch him as i said and, and take him out and probably stone him or start some other kind of trouble and you'll have a kind of riot on your hands and so um in the end Pilate decides to um relent and, and listen to the crowd so verse 25, he released the man they asked for, Barabbas, the one who had been put in prison for insurrection and murder, and he handed Jesus over as they wished. As they led him away, they seized the man, Simon of Cyrene, who was from coming from the country, and they laid the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. So Simon of Cyrene is a character mentioned in all three of the synoptic gospels, that being Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, and he is named here someone carrying the cross. Now, I've talked a little bit about names and their um, potential importance in the New Testament as not just being the character there in the story, but also potentially someone who would have been a figure known to people reading the gospel at the time. Luke would have been written several decades after Jesus' death. And so to mention Simon of Cyrene by name, not only being true to the story as someone who actually was there, who then did carry the cross, but could have been someone who was still around some kind of figure. Tradition says that he's um, potentially the father of a couple of disciples as well, of uh, lowercase d disciples, not some of the 12. Um, but he is, he is there, he's, he's 
shown up for Passover. Um, Cyrene is, um, and where he's where he's from, is in kind of North Africa, a bit near um, modern day Libya, um, in a kind of Roman colony. But he is from from Africa, and he's come up and he's um, then enlisted. They laid the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A great number of the people followed him, and among them were women who were beating their breasts and wailing for him. And remember the importance of the women who've been with him throughout his ministry. He's traveled around from place to place, and the 12 disciples and other people in various stages and various amounts have followed him from place to place. But everywhere he goes, the women are the ones who show him hospitality and are pretty prominent among his disciples, though they don't necessarily follow him, though some probably did. Um, they were there to um, take care of him and to be with him at every stage, and they never leave him. We have the prominent story of Peter having um, denied Jesus. The others have fled. They go into hiding. Judas, of course, actually betrays him. But the women don't. And even here at the stage, they are right there following the cross to Golgotha. And they will be there the whole time. And then they will care for his body after he dies and will be the first witnesses to the resurrection. So don't pass over that little detail um, that Luke adds that the women were there. And Jesus turns to them and says, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are surely coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nurse. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us and to the hills cover us. For if they do this when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? And this is, again, that sort of foreboding and foretelling of the destruction of Jerusalem when all of these things will come in this very um, descriptive and, and sort of allegorical language about um, just the, the nature of the danger that is coming. And um, the last couple bits we'll get to. Two others also who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. Now, this is interesting because I've talked about that word bandit. And I've talked about what a bandit is, a violent insurrectionist. Um, and that is the word used in um, the other Gospels for these two who are crucified with Jesus. But Luke actually doesn't use that word. You, Luke, um, and that's why it's translated criminals here and not bandits in the NRSV, which the NRSV does um, name them bandits in other places. Um, criminal, the word there is literally evildoer. And I think that's what you get in the King James is evildoer. Um, and so it's more of a generalized term, but, but a kind of similar idea. It, it, again, gets away from that notion that they're sort of petty thieves or cat burglars of some kind. They're not thieves in that sense. They're or like cut purses. Um, they're bandits or evildoers. Um, and also you weren't crucified for being a thief or a cut purse. You were crucified for being a political revolutionary. Um, they were led away to be put to death. And when they came to the place that is called the Skull, or Golgotha, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know, know, do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. That's also mentioned in other Gospels. And the people stood by watching. But the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, but let him save himself if he is the Messiah of God, the Chosen One. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up 
and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. And we get told in John that the inscription is written in Latin and Greek and Hebrew so that everyone could read it. One of the criminals who hanged there um, kept deriding him and saying, are you not Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. And um, we'll, we'll press pause there. Um, a couple of the last um, comments I'll give is this little story of the two um, criminals or the two bandits um, having um, words with Jesus. And the specific words they say is unique to Luke. In the other Gospels, we do hear that um, in the midst of the leaders and the chief priests and the soldiers mocking Jesus, they usually just sort of throws it and the two criminals who were crucified on either side of him also mocked him. Um, but here's where we, we actually get the details of what they say. And in Luke's rendition, one of the criminals is mocking him, and the other is actually trying to silence the other guy and saying, actually, we're getting what we deserve. This guy hasn't done anything wrong, and actually turns to Jesus. And, and the extent to which he here understands fully who Jesus is, what Jesus is talking about with his kingdom, and what it means then to ask um, to, to be with Jesus when he comes into his kingdom, um, we, we don't really know. He could have been someone who was in and around Jerusalem, who was following the crowds with Jesus, who was listening to him day in and day out, who knew a lot about him and was beginning to want to be a follower. He could not have been. He could have been in prison the whole time and had no idea, but known that this is some messi messianic pretender or some potential messiah, and he's hedging his bets. You know, those are kind of two of the extreme ends. We don't rightly know, um, but we do get Jesus's um, saying to him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. So um, we'll pick it up um, there next week with um, more of kind of the gruesome details of what follow um, for Jesus. Um, but thanks for um, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And I hope that you have a good week. Bye bye. Thank you.